while we're always looking for more diverse characters and storylines from publishers and creators, well, Rosarium Publishing is a black-owned company committed to diversity. They have a multicultural roster of over 40 writers and artists from all over the world, creating everything from steampunk to Afrofuturism to comics. Rosarium needs to expand, and that's why they need your help. Go to rosariumpublishing.com today and click on the Indiegogo button to donate and help them to continue putting these amazing stories out there. It's April on the Triple Nation, and that means it's time for another Patreon producer of the month. This month, it's Darren West, mild-mannered hitchhiker triple trekking barefoot across the country in search of wrongs to right as lightwave. Be like Darren and be rewarded for helping us keep the lights on inside the nation. Help program our top ten summer. Check out the Triple Nation podcast before everyone else, including us, and gain access to our Patreon-exclusive Tribbles After Dark. Go to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Black Tribbles and get down with the get down like Lightwave. Thanks for your generosity. Peace. Yeah. Back where it all began. Town Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it is your Black Tribbles. This is that 215 Nerd Vibe, G-Town Creativeness, five-piece band of folks that created this. Every black geek made a wish and it came true. We are here to edutain you, spark your imagination, make you smarter. Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent, Peter Parker, Face Windu and Miss Aurora Monroe. Find us online and get ready for a fun show. What you want to know about the genre? We got it. That hot shit. No matter what's the topic. Anime, cosplay, cartoons and comics. From old school classics to high tech and cosmic. Sometimes I'll drop some classic hip hop shit. Kennedy or Rocky Wild in the mosh pit. E-Mac and Jay bagging up like hobbits. And of course Captain Len in command of the cockpit. That's right y'all. Welcome Black Tribbles Prime is in your area, in your mind, and in your ears. Check it out, G-Town Radio. It is your Black Tribbles. Coming to you from the beautiful studios of G-Town Radio. G-TownRadio.com, the sound from Germantown. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and kittens, children of all ages. It's April. Which means it's time for Octavia City here in Black Tribbles Prime. You! 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 I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control. I didn't think I'd like it. And my, you. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined in studio by... What's up? What's up? It's your girl Kennedy, also known as that Mikey chick, also known as Storm Tribble. today instead it is the one and only super saiyan triple here glad to be here 
We have a fun show for you this evening, ladies and gentlemen, as we kick off Octavia City in style, as we will be speaking with none other than Tananarive Du, award-winning author and screenwriter uh, of note as well. She does everything. She do just a, a little bit of everything. 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 So we're going to be speaking with her. We're going to also have a very special um, guest host joining us all throughout the month of April for Octavia City. It is not, It's going to be uh, none other than Charlie Brownskin, that new girl, a.k.a. Charlyn Griffith of Treehouse Books. Yay. Uh, she will be joining us. She's actually on her way, running uh, just a little bit late, but she's uh, running her way, on her way. She actually... We recorded April's Triple Nation just the other night, and she joined the uh, joined the Triple Nation. Oh, cool! What's she, your Triple designation? She took a uh, her Triple designation, and I'll let her um, fill you in because it has a very special place. Oh, okay. In her heart, cool. So I, I'll let her uh, own that and, and and reveal that to you. Um, but. We are live, ladies and gentlemen. We are live on the radio, on G-Town Radio. The phone lines are open for now, 215-609-4301. Hit us up on the AOL, Yahoo, Instant Message, all one word at G-Town Radio. You can follow us on Twitter at Black Tribbles. You can find us on Facebook under Tribble Nation, but you can also find us on Facebook. Now, once again, with feeling, you can find us on Facebook <laughs> at Black Tribbles. Yeah, Oh my God! Hamming it up. <laughs> 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 uh, what a time! Yeah, yes. The um, it, uh, one of the fruits of our legal victory from the uh, past week is that the Black Tribbles fan page on Facebook has returned. Um, it actually just went back up um, yesterday. I think it was. Yes, just yesterday. What a feeling. It was kind of, it's kind of eerie to see, you know, when it went back up. And, like, the last post of it was in, like, I think January of 2014. So it was, like, wow. al- almost two years. That thing had been, been gone. Um but now that's cool that it re- rebooted like exactly where we left off instead of a clean start from the beginning. Well, it rebooted to a point because oh. if you let me ask you because maybe I'm misremembering this. Okay. Um, do you remember when our show was taken down? You know, for nefarious reasons. Mm-hmm. I distinctly I, remember wanting to set things on fire. Yeah, and and maybe some people. Do you remember how many likes we had on our page? No. Okay. See, I thought, I could have sworn we were up to at least 2,000, if not maybe a little bit more. But when it it came back yesterday, it came back with um, 1,322 likes. Not a small amount, but I just thought that we had had more. Um, and I'm certainly not complaining because as of today, thanks to... Um, the hard work of a lot of people in uh, Triple Nation, we stand at, let me see exactly where we stand now, likes-wise. We stand at 
1432. Okay. So right. we picked up 100 people just Blam! just yesterday. <laughs> Including in that is Big Baba Rob, also known as Voltron Tribble. Yes. I You're... put up on uh, Twitter as the Tribble Nation. We live. Where you at, though? He goes, I'm right here. Thanks for asking, though. Yeah, what's up, Voltron Triple? Uh, we are also live to commemorate us being live and returned. Holy to snap, that's you! Bat tri- uh, yeah, that's like Inception, right? It's this cool. is like some meta <laughs> shit right here, man. I don't <laughs> know you, what's going on, in man. Commemoration of us returning to uh, Facebook, our fan page being back up. We are actually streaming live um, video on our Facebook fan page. I, it, it's up here. On, I'm, I'm looking at myself. Talking. <laughs> you, you are you are streaming yourself. What? That's me. Yeah, you that's are me. you are streaming yourself. Stream yourself. Yes. Stream yourself. Yes. There are multiple streams going. <laughs> Ain't no don't, party don't like cro- a triple nation party because the triple nation party don't stop. Don't cross streams. We don't uh, that's bad news. You never bad, want to do that. Bad, that's bad, bad, bad news bears. We don't want to do that. So that's kind of cool. So, so as a way of commemorating us being back up on Facebook, if you go to the Black Tribbles fan page on Facebook, you can actually see us. And you can see what Kennedy looks like without any makeup. And you can see what uh, <laughs> see what Bat Tribble looks like when he comes comes in here from work. Yeah. So uh, this is my radio gear. So it's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. That's kind of dope. That is kind of dope. You know what I mean? Um, Stuff <laughs> just wiggling. Yeah, I know. It's just weird. All right, we, we, we'll be this stuck. Is, we, I'm sitting here watching myself. <laughs> it's like a baby with the mirror. I know. We'll be stuck in this meta moment all day. Um, hi, Never Jill. We know you're watching. Hi, Jill. Yo, what's up? Who's that, Jill? Yeah, Jill Saul. Yo, what's up? How yeah. you doing? Hi. Hey. Hey, girl. Um, <laughs> hey, girl. Hi. There you go. Um, So, yeah. So, April is Octavia City. And, yeah. And, and Octavia City, for those who do not know every year now we used to do it just one show i can't believe we used to do uh, all this in one show yeah we used to do like just well, one three hour show yeah, i said we took over gabe's show he was like give me this he yeah. was like i'm all, all right <laughs> you don't want that hour do you yeah, you don't need up. this well can so, i can i can i stay yeah you can sit in you, the back you can sit you don't need a mic right you don't need a mic <laughs> so we used to do um from eight to eleven where we would have a um, original writers here in the Philadelphia area and some from afar mm-hmm. send in their original short stories that we would read Afrofuturistic tales um, and we did that for two years straight and then last year we just turned the whole month over of April to Octavia City with original stories from everyone this year I wanted to do it a little a little differently just a little different okay in uh, which is why we're going to be featuring Octavia uh, excuse me Tanana uh, Reef Du um, so touching on an an author, but also touching on an artist as well, because mm-hmm. next week we'll be speaking with Athua Richardson. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, wait a minute. You said that with a straight face what? and with an even keeled tone. How mu- how long did you practice that without geeking directly the fuck out? I didn't practice. I didn't practice. We're going to be speaking with Athua Richardson. Next. Oh, so now you all. Walk- okay. I'm all cool. Right. No, sure. I'm cool. Yup. I'm cool. Suave that. and debonair. Oh, it's always. On the outside, on the inside, it's a flips. He's skipping through the field, plucking petals off the flowers like, she dribbles me, she dribbles me not. She dribbles me, she dribbles me not. Ooh, she dribbles me. She dribbles me not. He gets the last petal, splits it down the middle, she dribbles me. Question <laughs> mark? Yeah, stupid. <laughs> so anyway, so we're going to be speaking with Afua Richardson. So I, I really wanted to focus on 
take each show to focus on one creative person and their uh, inspiration via Octavia Butler, as well as their place in this um, this culture tapestry. or tapestry that yeah. we call Afrofuturism. You know, um, so we spoke with Andre Carrington on Triple Nation. That'll be coming your way in a couple of days uh, about his new book, Speculative Blackness. Um, as also, we talked about people that actually had um, uh, in-person contact with Octavia Butler. Oh. Uh, one of who, whom is Tanana Reeve Du, who actually became uh, a, a, a friend of Octavia Butler mm. over the, the latter, uh, latter portion of her life. So Jealous. We'll, we'll talk to her about that. Because um, I was reading, she actually wrote in an interview how, you know, like a lot of people, she didn't know Octavia Butler super well, mm-hmm. but she did, of course, grow to know her to uh, more extent than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And she said that she was fortunate to see all sides of Octavia Butler, including her girlish side. And I'm, I'm curious to ask her yeah. exactly what what's the girlish side of Octavia Butler look like or what what what's that is, because. When you look at Octavia Butler, I don't, I don't know if girlish is like. I, I have a hard time envisioning her being girlish. Yeah, I have a hard time conceptualizing Octavia Butler as a human being. Really, like, if, like in my brain, she was a, a vessel of otherworldly wisdom and knowledge and strength and prose that has been unparalleled since. So for her to like be a person and have dreams and goals and aspirations and a favorite color and a favorite cookie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that trips me. She don't have a favorite color. Like, cause you know, in, in my brain, like, but, but then again, you know, like I've said, I, I never knew her during her life. You know what I mean? I found out about Octavia when the weekend she passed away. Okay. So, so my perception of her as a person is a lot different than, than other people's. Um, so I, that just, just the fact that, She's, you know, I, I don't know, like having never heard Octavia's b- voice before or, you know, seen any footage of her move around mm-hmm. or anything like that. Uh, to go from, from that to finding out suddenly that she's got a girlish side, like that's like, whoa. Right, right, you right. skipped all the steps there. Yeah, how about that? So that'll be interesting. That'll be uh, pretty interesting yeah. think, to, to, to talk to her about that. You know what I mean? Um, that'll be that'll be pretty cool I agree yeah yep 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 Oh yes. <laughs> have we heard from from Lightwave? Lightwave? No, we have not. Oh. Not, as, not as of yet. No. Lightwave, if you're listening, can we make him a super suit? Honey, <laughs> where's my super <laughs> suit? Why do you need to know? <laughs> Don't you hear my theme song, you woman? There's some guy outside. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sorry, I'll bring it back. Yes, please, please. I've been do. up for almost twenty-four hours. 
That's fine. That's cool. That's all good. Yeah, it's great. Um, little punchy. What? what? Little punchy. Oh, oh, it's not what I thought you said. What do you think I said? Hey, don't worry about. Don't worry about it. Worry about it. Cool. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Keep it moving. Don't even worry about what? it. What? I don't. Okay. Don't even worry about it. Um, while we're we're waiting, we're kind of vamping a little bit because we're waiting for um Charlie. Charlie Brownskin. I always want to call her Charlie Baltimore, and every time I call her Charlie Baltimore, she slaps me. Ooh. So I, I've try, I gotta remember to call her Charlie Brownskin. While we're waiting for Charlie Brownskin to get here, can I geek out again about my my fun guest spot on Geek Soul Brother and the Five Nerdy Venoms? Sure, go ahead for yeah. like a hot quick second. Yeah. So the night, the night, day, day and night of the podcast summit. Blackfinity Gauntlet a couple weeks ago. Uh, Scout from Nerdy Venoms was like, hey, you got to come on our show for First Contact Day. And I was like, sure, because First Contact Day, I was with it. And then they're like, we're going to have this special guest. We think because you speak a little Klingon, it'll be great for you to be on the show. I'm like, oh, cool. Who's your guest? Tell me Michael Doran. I will plot right now. And they're like, no, it's not Michael Doran. And I was like, okay, well, then I don't want to know. Surprise me. And she was like, okay. And then a couple days, you know, before the show, I was confirming, like, hey, yeah, I'm going to be able to do this. I'm really excited. And she goes, yeah, I can't wait for you to meet Mark. And I was like, Mark? Mark whom? She was like, Mark Oakrand. And I was like, what? Hmm. For those of you who aren't aware, Mark Oakrand is uh, a linguist and the creator of the Klingon language. And uh, I did plots all over myself i bet (laughs) (laughs) there was a certain point during the conversation where i'm listening to him talk about language and the evolution of thought conveyed through speech and conlang which is constructed languages um and i'm just listening to him talk and i'm like "Mm, mm, mm." like it took me a minute to remember that you know i was part of the show not just listening to it on my (laughs) earphones you know what i mean um but it was great. Uh, I got a chance to speak a little Klingon at Mark Oakrand, and I was like, so did I sound right? And he was like, you sound perfect. So the creator of the language himself verified that I know what I'm doing, which was fantabulous. That's dope. So man. big shout out to Geek Soul Brother and his five nerdy venoms for having me on the show. For making that happen. Yeah, that was that was a very special thing for me, and I, I don't think I've quite been able to retain my geek street cred. <laughs> really? I mean, I, I got geek cred, mm-hmm. and I got street cred, but geek street cred, those are two, that's a completely different ball of wax. Very true. I feel like I, I lost the street element. I think I just went full full geek there. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with going full geek. And, you know, hey, and um, you never know when the geek is going to hit you. Yeah, I really, I swear to beans, like, I forgot for a second that i was on the show i was just listening to his conversation i was just like mm, oh, mm, oh like making inappropriate delicious noises at language <laughs> <sighs> like inappropriate delicious i was news he, he was speaking something i forget what it was at the top of my head but i was just like mm, 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 mm. <laughs> and i was just and i heard my voice and i was like oh wait that's right i'm on the show <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Out just body listening like, to it. Snap. <laughs> so that was cool. Shout out to the Nerdy Venoms and Geek Soul Brother for making that happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Geek Soul Brother, one of the um, 
the founding fathers of this whole blurred podcast yeah. world. So uh, that's pretty dope. Uh, he he's a cool dude. Smooth smooth brother. I get it. Just going back to the whole um, event, the Black Penny Gauntlet. Uh, he, it was one of the highlights just to actually sit and to meet him to meet put a face in name yeah yeah shake his hand and everything like that man just like a smooth smooth cat um we are going to take a short pause for the cause ladies and gentlemen and then on the other side we will be speaking with Tanana Reeve Du right here on Black Tribbles on G-Town Radio gtownradio.com the sound from Germantown point this is Jay Rich, also known as Spider Triple. <laughs> Please make sure to check us out on gtownradio.com on Thursday at 9 p.m. We are Black Tribbles, despite accent. Yes, <laughs> this is the case. Gtown Radio, sound from Germantown. Back. Yes, yes. You drink good? Yeah. Ah, ah, ah. One, two, three, four, Publishing is the award-winning black-owned publisher that created Day Black, Mothership, Malison Ovenland, Wally Fresh, APB, Artists Against Police Brutality, and many more titles available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Comixology, and Peep Game Comics. They have been so successful that they need to expand, and that's where you come in. Rosarium is raising money through Indiegogo to pay for rising print costs so they can continue to bring you these amazing stories without sacrificing quality. Please contribute at rosariumpublishing.com and click on the Indiegogo button to donate today. Drop it on the angle. Acute at that. Do that, do that, that, that. <laughs> you was ready, huh? You was ready for it. I know you were. I, I know. I, you... I don't. You know. I don't know much of the hip hops, the hippity hops, but I do know some <laughs> some tribe called Questums. Some tribe called Questums. <laughs> we are back here live, ladies and gentlemen, on uh, Black Tribbles and celebrating Octavia City, the culture that is Afrofuturism, the legacy of our, our the patron saint of Afrofuturism, as it were were Octavia Butler. Truth. And tonight we are indeed honored to have on the line with us to um, live and direct. It is none other than the award-winning author and, dare I say, fantastic screenwriter. Oh, snap. Yes. Putting no. it out there. No. <laughs> Tanana Reeve Du is live wow. on Black Tribbles. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing better now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just I heard your ad for Rosaria, by the way, which is a great campaign and a great publisher. They were trending the other night. I was like, what? Yeah, that's uh, that's Bill Campbell and his crew. They're doing yeah. big, big work. Uh, shout out to the, Bill Campbell. Balagoon Triple, as it were. 
we did a, an Indiegogo for our, our short film, Danger Word, um, but we were not nearly as sophisticated <laughs> in our in our campaign. So wow, I'm like, whoa, oh. this is how this is how the pros do it. Oh, 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 man, you. I can literally see Bill melting right now, <laughs> and, and, and and he's melting at the same time. He is like probably about to text me, like, "Len, can we get a recorded for this? I need to, tra- <laughs> I, need, right. I need to transcribe that for our banner." <laughs> well, convention. he does great work. He does. You know, what a great contribution just to the whole literary community, and in particular, the Afrofuturism community. I'm surprised that. Um, uh, with the the style and a lot of the um, the genres where you find yourself your most famous works kind of like in like the speculative kind of like horror field I'm surprised you've never thought about or maybe um, or maybe are about to dip your toes into uh, the graphic novel um, spectrum you know, the conversation comes up from time to time. Every time I run into John Jennings, the great graphic artist, it's oh like, yeah, God. we should do something. But, you know, he is super busy, and I'm super busy, and it's kind of out in the sort of just conversation. But there are a lot of great artists out there, too. And, yeah, my, my husband and I talk about it once in a while. And I don't know how many of your listeners remember the great Leslie Banks, L.A. Yes. Banks. Yes, yeah. yes. But one of her last thoughts for me was I needed to get into graphic novels you know she had a content heck I had to look up that email and see who she recommended (laughs) you know because it's just it's just the not knowing it you know I think that's what it is for a Mm -hmm. long time I didn't write screenplays because I didn't understand the format I still don't write plays uh, in fact probably for that reason (laughs) you know that I don't it's just a new it's like I don't know and, and it feels, um, it takes a little extra energy to, to push out into something new. And I just haven't quite gotten to that. But, right. yes, I would love to. In fact, I would love to do something with, like, our, our young adult zombie franchise as a graphic. That's what we should do as a graphic novel. See? Thank you for helping me come up with that great idea. <laughs> hey, that's what we do. We are a conduit for great ideas. Because we left them in a cliffhanger, you know. But we could publish a graphic novel. Hmm. Mm, anyway, mm, mm, back mm, to the mm. interview. No. <laughs> mm, she's like, excuse me for a minute. I'm just going to write this down real quick. <laughs> note to self. <laughs> note to self. Note to self. Um, I wanted to, uh, you know, speak with you about something that I heard just the other uh, the other day. I was listening to an interview on black girl nerds mm. uh, and the interview was with uh, the producer Effie Brown yeah and Effie who uh, famously you know I think you know she's been out there doing a, a lot of great work she did a lot uh, a lot of work with um, uh, uh, she was with dear white people um, yeah but a lot of she's on a lot of people's lips now because of project Greenlight. Um but she kind of she name dropped a certain horror author whose last name rhymes with Clue uh-huh. in that interview as someone that she is working with now that she's employed with. Um, oh, now I'm just drawing a blank on the gentleman's name. Oh, gosh. 
You know who. I know who. Empire. Empire. The, the, the butler. The, the, the butler. Uh, um, 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 uh, Lee, Lee. Oh, Daniels. Lee Daniels. Thank See? you. I was about to say Lee Butler. And I was like, no, that's wrong. It's uh, Lee Daniels. She's she's working with Lee Daniels production. And she mentioned that um, she may actually, that she might be working with you on a little something. We're talking. We're talking. I'll, I'll say that. Um, yeah. Uh, Effie is amazing. Mm-hmm. She and another great producer named Glendon Palmer uh, reached out to me when we had just moved back to L.A. Okay. From Atlanta back in, I guess it was 2014. They optioned my work, The Good House. Nice. We shopped it around. We were pitching a series, but we sold it as a two-hour cable movie. Uh, but I'm not allowed to talk about that. So I didn't just say that. <laughs> talk about it, what? It, it, talk, I didn't hear anything. There's a problem in the sound. Yeah, this yeah. is just between us. Uh, I've actually signed agreements about it. But, yeah, I've spoken in the past about the fact that The Good House was uh, being shopped. Mm-hmm. So, why, you know, and here's the thing. And the reason non-disclosure agreements aside, I just find it good practice not to talk about projects before they're set up and on the schedule, you know? Right. Um, now, considering that most projects will not actually get on the schedule, sometimes there's a percentage in talking about it at every step, you know? <laughs> right. I have had books optioned by Fox Searchlight. Uh, my Soul to Keep was optioned by Fox Searchlight. Mm-hmm. My Soul to Keep, uh, The Good House, years ago, was optioned by Fox Searchlight uh, with Forrest Whitaker uh, attached as a director in talks with Angela Bassett, you know, to play Angela. Right. Um, wow. Rick Samayua, who just did Dope, wrote drafts of My Soul to Keep and was really passionate about it for years. And, and Blair Underwood, of course, you know, had an option for almost 10 years just on his own. Yes, yes. So there's been a lot of passion and dreaming and world building and pain and heartache and disappointment, you know, uh, right. for everybody, for everybody. So it's not just me. <laughs> I that always have true. a team of people with me. Uh, I collaborate with, with Stephen Barnes, my husband, who comes to me with, when I met him, he had been working for television in years. You know, he's written for uh, Stargate, won uh, The Outer Limits, The Blue on Showtime. He's written for The New Twilight Zone, uh you name a sci-fi show, Andromeda, you know, you name a sci-fi show. Oh, I used to bang with Andromeda. That was my joy. Took you it back. It, he's, he's written for it. And let me tell you, in, a, in a, an industry, as we're learning all the time, anew, where it is not easy yeah. to get work as a writer of color. Okay? So it's not like he had a network of black sci-fi fans hiring him. Right, <laughs> right. right. But he did have great mentors and Harlan Ellison and Larry Niven and Jerry Purnell, and Harlan in particular on the TV side could give him feedback on scripts. Mm-hmm. So he had a support system, and that's how I literally first met him, not in person. But a friend of mine was like, hey, uh, you are a writer. I know a writer. You two should meet each other, you know. And he was thinking, because, you know, we're really two black, <laughs> you know, sci-fi horror writers. He do. And he told me his name was Stephen Barnes. I had never heard of Stephen Barnes. This was back, let's say, 97. Okay. And so I checked out. He said he wrote for The Outer Limits. I had never seen 
Showtime's The Outer Limits. That was a good so one I too. went, and I, I one just happened to be on at random while I'm in a hotel room with my mom, and it's this great, amazing episode where Amanda Plummer plays wow. a scientist who invents a time machine so she can go back in time and kill serial killers before they can strike. Right. And it was called A Stitch in Time. A lot of people consider it the best episode of the show. And they even revisited his characters for their finale. Not that, anyway, don't get me started. There's no politeness in Hollywood sometimes. <laughs> I mean, we had to hear about it in passing because we were at a pitch. Ooh. And, Ooh. and then they didn't send him a copy. I mean, nothing. But anyway, whatever. Uh-huh. So I had not seen his name as the writer. But when I told my friend about the episode, he said, that's Stephen Barnes. So I'm telling y'all about Stephen Barnes. If you haven't seen The Stitch in Time, that one Amanda Plummer and Emmy, uh, that's the episode he wrote. And he's been in the industry for a while. So when we hook up together to write, uh, I don't have the same experience. Um, but I bring my gifts, and he brings his gifts. Mm-hmm. And I think we make a great team in terms of screenwriting. We're still learning. You know, mm-hmm. I'm still, I still consider myself uh, learning as, as a novelist, as a prose writer. So I'll always be learning as a screenwriter too. I hear I hear you on that, and you you. It's interesting that you still see yourself as a student. Um, I was reading on past interviews how you had spoken about not feeling. You were feeling like a little uh, unsure about whether or not you were ready to take that leap from being a reporter to yeah. a serious writer. And it just so happened to be an interview with none other than Ann Rice that oh, uh, yeah. got you over over the hump. Well, that you know, it's interesting you bring that up. I I, I never met her in person. It was a phone interview, mm-hmm. and I was working for the features section, so I was assigned to interview her for her book. And this was when, yes, I had a full time job. I did not like having a full time job. I knew I wanted to be a writer. But I could not find my voice, okay? I, a part of me had learned from college workshops and just getting a vibe that the kind of things I wanted to write horror would not be respected. Why, did you, why did you want to write horror? What, what, what that was, I... look, I tried not to. <laughs> I tried <laughs> writing contemporary realism. Um, I tried writing about the hood. Um, I, I, I tried on a lot of different masks while I was a learning writer. Right. And what was significant about Anne Rice was that she'd had a big New York Times uh, magazine article about her where uh, basically people were asking why she was wasting her talents writing about vampires. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I never told her I was a writer at all. I was just like, how do you respond to critics who say you're wasting your talent (laughs) writing about vampires? And her answer blew me away. She was like, ah, that used to bother me, but my books are taught in colleges. I was like, oh, you know, she said, when you write about the supernatural, you can write about big themes like love and death and immortality. You know, she just went on, and that was it. She just opened the gate. My, my doubts about whether I could be a respected writer and write my heart were kind of put to rest. And, and unfortunately, a lot of creative writing students are still facing that now. It's better now. I actually teach a workshop now at UCLA that is focused on speculative fiction. And I encourage my students, and I'm hoping to convert my students (laughs) to writing speculative fiction. And when they figure out it's not what they thought it was, 
that they can do what they want. They love it. They love the freedom. Um, and, and for me, it's, it's my voice. I don't know why. I did just write a story for Tiare Jones for uh, an upcoming anthology that was just realism, but it was suspense. Mm-hmm. But th- that's just another form of genre, you know. Right. Genre is where I live. I don't know why, but it, that's what happened. Actually, it's my mom's fault. My mom loved horror. She did. And this is what I think a lot of people in Hollywood think the numbers will tell them. But they don't really believe it. Black people love horror. <laughs> okay? I've talked to so many people who have the same story that it got, they got it from their parents. Okay? My mother was a civil rights activist, Patricia Stevens do. Um, she spent 49 days in jail with her sister uh, for sitting in at a Woolworth lunch counter and several Florida A&M University students. So she had this whole civil rights life. But when she wanted to relax and unwind, she would watch horror because horror wasn't real, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not real, so you can feel the stress and go th- have these image systems of people facing adversity and triumphing or not. <laughs> you know, I mean, they don't always triumph, let's be real. But you can go through those emotions in a safe space. And she passed that love on to me. You know, and reading Stephen King as a king as a kid just solidified that. I can definitely understand that. My mom was a big horror fan as well. See, so, so she she mainly looked at it from the from the theatrical aspect of it. You know, the whole blood guts and costuming and lighting and and special effects and making all this stuff look real without right. it actually being. You know, and she introduced me to that at a really young age. You know, I remember being. When 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 uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street came out, that was like what eighty four, eighty five, oh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. That was an R rated movie that made people sick to their stomachs. I, I remember Absolutely. seeing that as a child, and if, as soon as I recoiled in horror, she was like, "Listen, there's people getting paid mad money to make this look real. That red stuff is corn syrup with food coloring. Like, oh, relax. okay, okay, good." So good. I was like, "Oh, well then." So to find you know pieces that that do strike that chord of horror um i i could definitely see that being a release because it, it especially if it manages to take me out of the 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 lens of it you know i think that's really cool i could definitely see where you're coming from on that yeah I yeah have. and i think that a lot of us are finding each other you know on social media thank goodness and and realize we're not the only ones and tribe family community you know it's just we love it you know you can't even explain it away sometimes um I, lo- I love horror best. I also love science fiction, especially science fiction horror. <laughs> That's the best. Hey, Tanariv. This is Charlin, a.k.a. Hey. Lilith Tribble. <gasps> I just wanted to... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I was told I it was something awesome, that. but I wasn't sure what it was going to be. Sorry. Thank you. Um, I, I appreciate your work so much, and I'm actually oh, new to you. it. Um you know, black triple, uh, put on, you know, and I got to tell you that I actually grew up with what I might say was a sort of unhealthy addiction to horror novels. Oh, nothing unhealthy. About oh, it, you know. but, oh, but <laughs> let me tell you. So Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein before this Goosebumps nonsense. Yes, Fear Street. People do not know before Fear Street, honey. Really? There were one-offs. Wow. And there is a horror 
there, there's a, a book that Christopher Pike wrote called The Chain Letter. There were three there were three chain letters. There was a chain letter, chain letter two, and chain letter three. And that book, as you said, those books, I used to order them from the Scholastic Book book Drives. Right. Um, and, like, I would just be so ready, so ready for, you know, to get to school that day and have them stacked up nicely on my desk. I used to finish two books in a night. I would That's not beautiful. sleep. That's just your reading. You know? Oh man. And That's I'm beautiful. a, I was a voracious reader and you know, it's definitely carried into my adult life, but I've never heard it explained in the manner that you just did in terms of the escape. And I think that what's so important when we look at what we consume in terms of media is what is it doing for our trauma that we're experiencing in regular everyday life because exactly I, there's I, a relationship absolutely i was growing up in a household where there were there was physical and emotional abuse happening but that yeah. that horror that um violence those were controlled i i yeah. decided that i'm not putting this down i decided mm-hmm. okay i'm done now i decided to conquer the book so that like the turmoil wouldn't conquer me that was going on in my house. And I that's just, beautiful. I appreciate you articulating it in that way. Well, I appreciate your story. You know, yeah. that just resonates with me. My mother had a lot of trauma, physical trauma from the civil rights movement. She wore dark, dark glasses, uh, her whole adult life, uh, because of tear gas in her wow. eyes in 1960. So when I saw the tear gas coming out in Ferguson, I was like, Oh, Mm-mm-mm. cause I know the price yeah. is not, yeah. Is not just for a moment. And you see the activists posting comments at the end of articles about how they're still feeling the effects all mm-hmm. these years later. And also emotional trauma. I, I literally think that the civil rights movement cut her life short in terms of the emotional trauma she suffered. And yes, this was her outlet. And um, she passed that love on to me. I'm just, I'm looking for strength. Mm-hmm. I haven't had to do the things my mother had to do. Although the older I get, the more I appreciate that I'm I'm a, I'm a warrior in my own right. You know, right. it's Absolutely. like well, because life is difficult. Amen. Child rearing is difficult. Yeah. Um, yes. Society is difficult. So, so yeah, she had a very specific kind of trauma, but no one escapes. No one. And a lot of it to me is about okay, how do I prepare? How do I prepare for this? How do I gear up? Let me put on some armor. Let me create some characters and throw some really left field stuff at them and see how they rise. Or if they fall, why did they fall? So, so yeah, that's what I, I absolutely love um, in the genre stuff uh, and writing horror, watching horror. I hate to even bring it up, but it's on a lot of people's minds uh, when, when Abby Mills got killed off on Sleepy Hollow, whoa, which whoa, I loved. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 Uh-oh. whoa, 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 oh, I'm sorry. Is this a spoiler? Somebody? Well, it's, it's, it's not, it's not so much as a spoiler because I was in on Sleepy Hollow in the first two seasons and then I kind of like fell off on a little bit, but yeah. this is the first time that I'm hearing that Abby, Abby, Abby died. You can't even, you can't even say it. Look at that. Okay. Look, I'm sorry to break this to you. <laughs> If I had that, this is like that time I was working for the newspaper interviewing people for an obituary, and he's like, he died? <laughs> I'm like, oh, snap, I'm sorry. Uh, my condolences. Uh, but yes, 
it's and it's and I haven't seen the episode, and I really don't want to spend a lot of time on it because Hollywood is a small town, and I'm building on working working on building relationships. And I mean right. that in a sincere way. Right. And this is a painful thing for not just one actress, but for an entire crew and writing staff and. This show might get picked up again, but it'll be a very different show. The yeah. fans are incensed. Mm-hmm. The fans of color, in particular. I bet. And the, and the reason I brought it up was because someone posted something that just... And there's real mourning going on. If you go now, it's actually Sleepy Hollow. People are mourning daily. Uh, but if you, if you... One woman wrote that this was where she went to escape. Wow. And now it was like all, in her mind, all of the issues that she's facing in real life just blew up on her show. And I'll just summarize quickly that she died. She died early in the episode. From what I understand, there wasn't a funeral scene that involved her father or her sister. And she died as sort of a sacrifice Uh, so that Crane's work could carry on. This is how it's being summarized. So you're hearing some familiar tropes. Mm-hmm. And to see those familiar tropes on a show that, that was so amazing and different that first season, you know, that's, a, that's been a hard pill for people to swallow. Wow. It even made the Washington Post, so I'm not saying anything that people don't already know. Right, right, right. And it's, it's a, yeah, so there's, there's real mourning underway. And... It's very, very personal for women of color in particular because she was such a singular character. She was. I think, like you said, just um, thinking back, uh, sorry to turn this into Sleepy Hollow. This, you know, <laughs> Yeah, what the but, hell? But, um, but she, she, she mentions like how, um, how much that first season stood out because it would have been so easy in that, in that season for them to just, you know, throw some kind of romantic thing between her and Crane yet what truly developed between them was a sincere uh, respect and devout friendship that was taken seriously you know and that yeah. was more more important it was it was it just resonated all the more in this crazy you know crazy you know uh, genre show but it was a very real um, relationship and uh, oh wow it's it's hard you know and of course people who don't watch the show can roll their eyes at us <laughs> talking about people like they're real but in a way when there's so little representation it does feel real it feels like that would be me okay I'm now wow I've never noticed that that's probably exactly what I would look like if I were in this show you know mm-hmm. or just someone who just feels so much like she could be your sister um, it, it does feel very deep but I'm going to flip it I'm going to flip it to the bright side of all this. I think the time is either here or approaching when the powers that be are beginning to understand how deeply beloved genre is to our audience. Yeah. And it's only a matter of time before more creators of color have an opportunity to create characters and shows that will tap deeply into that. You know, there, there, I mean, there are lots of things in development, some things you know about, serious conversations, big names, mm-hmm. tr- trying to bring black genre to not just TV but film. Right. And 
I see the groundswell of just passion for Afrocentrism, uh, you know, Afrofuturism, rather, all over the world in some ways. You know, you look at uh, Pumzi from, mm-hmm. from Kenya. Mm-hmm. If y'all haven't seen it, you got to see it. Um, there's just so much out there, and it represents so much in terms of how to create a different world, how to recreate the past, how to recreate the future. I mean, there's so much wrapped up in it. And I'm telling you, the first franchise network studio that really gets that is going to rake in money. Yeah. It's just, it's waiting. People are just, like, hungry for it. I think that I, I also, even as we want more, I think that I also find myself celebrating, um the experiences of characters such as Abby's happening, playing out in the way that they do because it's it's as if we're able to mourn for like the black girl and we have mm. a say we have a say her name moment without the death of an actual black woman. That is true. And, yeah. Okay, look at yeah. you flipping it to yet I another mean, bright side. Because the um, other thing is I gotta tell you I've had relationships with where I ally with a white person and I grow what has felt like a very deep, meaningful relationship. And when those relationships end, like who, when do we get to mourn them? When do we even feel like they're not our fault? When can we look at the premature, you know, kind of cut, cut off, you know? So I think that though, even those experiences with our, with our characters, that we follow um, happening in that way are still our story being told. And you know, so it's I'm, true. We'll always have that moment when, uh, in the trailer, no less. Yeah. <laughs> when the one where I said, "Oh, I gotta watch this," when Crane says to Abby, "You're emancipated." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "What? You know." And then there are a lot of other. Oh, oh, oh! My favorite, my favorite though was the season finale. Amanla Stenberg is levitating. They've thrown red clay dust in the house to ward off the evil. I was like, who? Who taught them about red clay dust? Mm, okay. yeah, Ooh, oh, yeah. It was like the scariest black horror moment I think I had ever seen. Wait a minute. What, what's important about red clay dust? It, it wards off, ask your grandmother now, mm-hmm. wards off evil. Like evil demons and evil. Those are the old ways. You, you know. heard of yeah. Daughters of the Dust? Nope. This is complete. My oh, family it's, was yeah, it's a very specific so. thing. I used it in the good house. So I was like, what? They know about Wrigley Dust. It's, ri- it's a ritual. Is it's it? ritual. Mm-hmm. I mean, I gathered. I just didn't used, know it was that widespread. Yeah. What's actually really interesting about clay also is that um, the I know that in the Caribbean, like my, my mother and then my East African family, we all um, relate that red clay to when women are pregnant they'll go and dig through oh. dirt to get down to clay because mm. clay is really high in mineral content right ah. and so that's why that's why clay is so um it's such an important part of like our lives you know as in terms of african tradition and like what we knew about the earth here when we were brought here you know they brought us because we were scientists they right. brought us because we understood earth yeah because so, they didn't know nothing well no. I don't know what they knew, they knew but nothing. I know what they knew was that they were bringing the scientists. They chose to enslave the scientists and put us in the various colonies in order to produce what they were wanting. Right. And meanwhile, we were putting everyone on to like 
clay is high in minerals. You use it for these things. And, it was and there's part so of much. Our... Sorry, go sorry. ahead. Yeah. There's just so much of that history, you know, that, that yeah. hasn't been mined and those stories that haven't been told. And, yeah, I have to agree. I think it's great that we got a glimmer. I got that moment, and it's very inspirational for me because I'm like, yeah, I want to do that, and I want to take that to another level. And more, yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah. and you're right. Just like you said, the, the, all of that is there rich for mining. You find a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, going back to the graphic novels, a lot of graphic novels are mining those those stories and and reinterpreting them in uh, the stories that they're doing, like in Tuskegee Airs or uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, in Nana the Were Spider. Um, it's 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 amazing though to me. This is one of the things that I that I've always um, you know like strikes me as crazy as. You know, at one time there was just BET, but now there's BET, there's TV One, Centric, Centric, there's Own, there's Bounce, and everything like that. There's all exactly. There's all these different outlets, and and that's just and and almost all of them have, while they may have a cable component, they all have a a web component as well. So I'm surprised um, that you don't see more genre. Product, uh, projects being put forth by the, by these different uh, media groups, especially like maybe if you there was a time people kind of thought like you know well, if you think in genre you think in special effects which might be more costly, but now there are people doing things on YouTube on their Mac which <laughs> which well, looks listen, better than it's anything. Coming. Mm-hmm. It's definitely it's coming. coming. It really, I mean, TV One uh, tried horror. That's true. Um, That's true. They had an anthology series, and I wouldn't be surprised if they try that again. Uh, they, it's the numbers. Yeah. The numbers show what people want, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And But it's not it's not easy to do it right, right? So there are fits and starts, and, and, and people get close. Like the Good House got closed at Fox Searchlight. That could that would have been out in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um, but it, it just didn't quite get you know past that script development stage, and the executives were, felt that they didn't do horror well, mm-hmm. which is you know the nice way of <laughs> saying no, we're not going to do it. They have you know I, I appreciate it when people give me nice reasons. We came close to um, selling the Good House as a series at one network. But they had another series. They thought it wasn't um, black, or <laughs> you know, as black as ours was. So they had another series that was thematically similar. Okay. You know. They always say that. So it'll take it'll take some time, but I really do think that when we'll really see the change is that intersection between people who've come up through the Hollywood system. This is all they've done. They've written scripts and only scripts. Mm-hmm. They've maybe they've been through a few writers' rooms and made some contacts, trying to sort of figure out how to write horror, right? Right. And people who are horror heads who may not have come through that system. You know, I still feel like an outsider. I know a lot of people. I've had a lot of great meetings, but I still feel like an outsider. I'm a novelist primarily. That's how people know me. I've never had my name announced behind any of that stuff in Variety or Hollywood Reporter. So for all intents and purposes, I don't exist in Hollywood, you know. I wouldn't be on IMDb if I hadn't made my own short film. That's a danger word, right. 
so yeah, it's it's trying to break in past the gatekeepers. And when when people say there are no black horror writers, which they say, that is said to people in meetings. There are no black science fiction writers. I don't know that one firsthand, but I do know firsthand about people thinking there are no black horror writers. Right. <laughs> That's the thinking. So there has to be a bridge between the thinking and reality. And there have to be opportunities. That's why I tell writers, look, if you're a novelist, learn how to write scripts. Because having a, a script of your novel is a way better chance of getting it set up by a producer than just giving them the book and say, read this. That's true. That's I mean, first of all, they don't want to read this. But second of all, people are not spending the money on script development that they used to back in the day. That's true. So you better come with a package. And my experience has been great with actors, Blair Underwood. Um, I've been approached by many actors Sorry. over the years. Uh, bef right before How to Get Away with Murder, I was hearing from Viola Davis on Facebook because studios were telling her they were looking for horror. Isn't that something? Wow. And we're like, where is it? <laughs> it's right here. But, but they're looking for it. So they're looking for it. They're looking for it. And it's just a matter of people being able to get their hands up high enough in the air. Can I ask you, Tanari, what can we, what can we do? What can our listeners do to support this? Um, how can we boost it? You know, it's, it's not enough, clearly, to use hashtags and, and mentions. What can we actually do to, to lift up this work? Well, that's a great question. I think, to a large degree, you are doing it. You know, this interview is a great opportunity for me, um, not just to push forward my own stuff, but also for others out there, I hope, mm -hmm. to hear me and say, yeah, shoot, I should make a movie. <laughs> and, I, and that's another thing, um, maybe just encouraging people mm -hmm. to create content yeah, and to definitely. support that content. That's the big thing. So that's if someone has something on YouTube, shout it out. Yeah. You know, Reagan Gomez has a great series um, on YouTube. Oh, wow. With people of color. I think it's What's called Surviving. I want to give it the right, I always use the wrong name, but Reagan Gomez, Surviving. It's post-apocalyptic. It's like, okay. Yeah, Reagan Gomez. You know, and so there are people doing it, and YouTube is going to be great. The web is going to be great. And eventually there will be more bridges between the gatekeepers and the content creators who are outside of the system. There you go. Uh, so it'll be a combination of inside and outside. We're speaking with Tanana Reeve Du, who uh, actually does have a book out right now, a, uh, her first short story collection called Ghost Summer. It's out there, available for your... Thank you. You know, if I was in promotion mode, I would have said that six times already. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I have a short story collection out. It's called Ghost Summer. No, no, this is it's all good. Uh, Ghost Summer is actually out there. It's uh, her first short story collection. Uh, you, she's a novelist by trade, but you know she's got these short stories just bubbling up in her. Uh, Ghost Summer features uh, s such stories as Herd Immunity, as well as Like Daughter, and the uh, um, is Ghost Summer. Is that actually the novella that's in there? Yeah, as well? there's a yeah. novella inside called Ghost Summer, set in right. my. Fictitious, my fictitious town of Gracetown, Florida. Uh, and I have several stories set in Gracetown in that book, which is basically a town where magic happens. Mm. But mostly only children can perceive it. Mostly. 
here. I'm, t- I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now, Tanana Reeves. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's just me and you talking. Okay. Gracetown, the graphic novel series. Ah, uh, okay. There you go. <laughs> because you've already got you already got a few stories in there, which means you've already got characters. You go from story to story. You just have one character kind of like bleed into the other story. That we, we, in some type of way, tangentially, just walking down the street or whatever, runs into somebody coming out of the store and booming into the other story. You've got a whole graphic novel series. That way you can get wow. different <laughs> artists that can like do it. each arc of the of the uh, story. And that, because let's face it, uh, like you said, these people out there in Hollywood, they're not reading scripts. What they're doing, they're reading comic books. But they're, can I tell you something that's funny? And you're right. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. That sounds awesome. Some of these stories are 15, 16 years old. Yeah, they've been out a long like time. Fine wine, girl, aged. So, so. But let me tell you, putting them together in one collection was an accidental stroke of genius because mm-hmm. I had no idea what a difference the packaging made. Right. I had no clue at all. I mean, first of all, had a hard time placing it mm-hmm. because um, publishers don't feel that short story collections sell. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, trust me. Lots of novels under my belt not interested in the short story collection which i get it's the bottom line it's history whatever so i ended up with prime books which is a a genre press it's actually my first book with a genre press Mm -hmm. it's a little horror press and i've known the editor since i first started publishing paula Garan, the editor i worked with she uh she was talking about the between when nobody could pronounce in fact she said learn how to pronounce the name (laughs) that's what she wrote (laughs) let him know so there's history there. And I'll tell you the ironic part, you know, going back to what you were saying about a graphic novel, is I don't know, you know, what the right situation will be because I've had more film interest, uh, film and TV interest in this collection than I have had in anything in a very long time. And it's just ironic mm, wow. because it doesn't seem like it would be so. It's a short story collection. It's like the little train that could. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I've, I had a, a filmmaker who wanted to shoot a short of Herd Immunity, the story you mentioned, and I had to tell her, oh, I don't think I can let it go because I might be about to option it. So we'll see. Okay, see. We'll it, see. It's coming. Although I think under an option, you still might be able to keep graphic novel rights, but it depends. It depends. It does, yes. It's been a while, so I don't remember. <laughs> and probably changed since the last time I signed a contract. We, we are uh, in the month of uh, April here on uh, Black Tribbles, which is a celebration of Afrofuturism, and it is affectionately known as Octavia City, after mm. Octavia Butler, um, who I do understand that you became acquaintances with over years after first meeting her at a, a conference. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask in reading about your associations with uh, with Octavia Butler, which you can actually read about um, in loving detail on um, your website, TananaReevedo.com. Yeah. You mentioned in there about how you, while you did not know, you weren't, couldn't say that you were super close with Octavia, you certainly were a little bit more than acquaintances, you were privileged to see all sides of Octavia Butler, including the girlish side whoa, whoa, what? which just made me wonder like exactly what is the girlish side of octavia butler because i don't that think is very funny um hmm. I, that's a good question well i'll just say this uh, steve and i recently 
did a teleseminar where we played an interview that we conducted with Octavia back in 2000, and Steve had known her for a very long time, so they were just old friends. And the thing that struck me most when I could finally listen to this tape again, and it took a long time, was how much she laughs when she's, especially I think around him, you know, she just, so maybe that's what the girlish side was to me, just easy to laugh, to make jokes. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) One of her jokes was, well, you know Hollywood, and we all burst out laughing over, (laughs) you know, over all the things that we'd seen happen in Hollywood. Um, So it was that, and and kind of something she confided to me, it's like, it's not about her personal life per se, but it's something that I just, you know, it's something I get, and we had an odd taste in common, and it was like we could both laugh over that, um, or talk about dyeing our hair, or whatever. So a little bit. I was not by any means the friend that uh, Steve was. I was very shy around her. In fact, I was mortified when someone who was a friend of hers <laughs> told me that Octavia said, yeah, you know, something like, I really, I like Tanana but she won't talk to me. I was like, what? She said that. <laughs> um, you know, because it's like, I was, I'm a little socially awkward. I'm a writer. You know, I don't even have to say that. So I'm a little socially awkward. And also just when I'm around people I have great admiration for, I get a little tongue-tied. Mm-hmm. And it's really frustrating because sometimes I've had Hollywood friendships that might have become real friendships right. if I could have just gotten past that, uh, if I could just stop staring, you know? <laughs> but, I know that's so real. It's yeah. so real. Yeah, I think like, all of us have been there, yeah. Yeah, and like, <laughs> and like for less, like maybe just the cool librarian. Yeah, I'm about to say, for, sometimes it doesn't have to be a star. It doesn't have to be a star. Yeah, I mean, I've had, yeah, so Octavia was one of, was one of those people, and and I, she was shy about asking me, it felt like, to, mm. to read Fledgling right before that came out. My blurb did not appear on the book, so I had no proof of this, except maybe in the archive somewhere. But, um, yeah, she sent me the book and seemed, I thought, shy about the fact that it was a vampire novel. Right. She was unsure. She was delving kind of into a new, t- it's still science fiction. Mm-hmm. But it had some horror yeah, dressing. Definitely oh, horror. Fledgling. I would consider fledgling horror for sure. Definitely, yeah, it was definitely a line crosser with that. It, yeah, yeah. So, and I well think I, I'm just now. This is purely me speculating from the outside. Also, because vampires are so commercial, right? right. Perhaps right. there was a tinge of mm, I read a vampire novel. I don't know. Right. <laughs> but right. There was something to fledgling though that right. rang really familiar familiarly (laughs) (laughs) to the Xenogenesis series in terms of like the way that she or I mean all of her work the the inevitability of the the fate no 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 no, no, that's what I said in my blur it never saw the light of day it's about oh sorry I was I was saying it's about like the hypersensitivity that her characters have when it comes to their senses and mm. all of that, all of the, cause what it, what, what it is for me in her writing is like, it's an invitation to me mm. and to like humanity to like use your senses more mm-hmm. because there was, Every there was sense. so yes. much about all of these characters that are supposed to be supernatural. That was very, very human. Yeah. You know, if you really, you know, are exploring 
your full humanity, you know, and right. your full all of your senses to their full capacity. Um, well, I knew it was going to be good. Okay, oh, I knew so it was going to be good. But as I read it, I was like, "Ooh, it is good." Right. And I said, "This is vintage Octavia Butler, or something like that." Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, it's an Octavia Butler novel, is what it is. That's right. all the yes. words you need to say. Yes. <laughs> right, what right, more right. do I need to add to that? Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Maybe I, I that's why they didn't use it. I don't know. It was too obvious. But I, I in any case, she definitely had. I mean, you know, she every human. Uh, to her you can imagine of, of anyone you knew you know she was painfully shy got over that over the years um she had a difficult time writing sometimes it took we we talked on that tape about how how long it was taking to write later novels and now that i'm at a later novel stage in my career i, I get it more deeply than i did then mm-hmm. you know bright-eyed and you know just five years outside of publishing my first book but yeah it gets a little harder i'm sorry to say uh, to me, and it certainly felt that way to her. She said it, it, it was getting harder, and that doesn't seem fair, <laughs> you know. Right, right. <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, and I'm just I'm learning how to juggle writing. I do more teaching now. I teach two places. I teach at UCLA and at Antioch University, uh, Los Angeles, where I teach in the MFA program. So I have two teaching jobs, and you know. Steve and I uh, do uh, have products, you know, writing products we sell, mm-hmm. and at Life Writing, actually, we might have a, a sale still going on at LifeWritingDiscount.com for a 10-week writing course. There you go. There's nice. a plug. There's a plug. Life Writing Discount. It was supposed to end weeks great. ago, but I bet if you clicked on it, in all of your so, teaching... And and in the workshops that you're doing, are you do you have any up and comings that you like want us to keep an eye out for? That's a good question. The novel I've been working on forever, for? it seems. Forever. It was even supposed to be in a short story version in my collection, but I couldn't even finish the short story. <laughs> so I was so stuck. But I have a novel I'm working on, um, set in Florida in nineteen fifty, that centers around a reformatory for boys. Mm. Uh that is based loosely on a real-life reformatory called the Dozier School for Boys. If you look up Mariana, Florida, one R, two N's, and Dozier School, you'll see a, a whole bunch of horrible headlines about mm. the literal torture, abuse, deaths of young men, boys, you know, from age 8 up to 21, it was for a long time, who were subjected to the horrors of this place. Mm-hmm. And I found out that this was a part of my family history. I have a great uncle who died there okay. in 1937. Wow. It wasn't through research. The Florida State Attorney's Attorney General's Office called me to mm-hmm. basically ask permission to exhume bodies. The place had a cemetery on the grounds. That's how many boys were dying at this place between about 1900 and I think it was about 2006. I mean, it was fairly recently it closed. Wow. Yeah, we're looking and, at pictures of it now. And, you know, the hard part is, this is getting back again to the reason I write horror. I write horror to run away from these kinds of stories, mm-hmm. right? But I, every time I tried to stop writing this novel, I would hear, I would see Tamir Rice's face come up on my Twitter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's going to be no indictment in the death of Tamir Rice. Oh, there's going to be no indictment for this death or that death. And I was like, you know what, this is not a story out of the past. 
this is something that is still going on. There are still horrific abuses happening at juvenile facilities. You know, we like to be all comfortable and say, like, oh, that was such a barbaric era, <laughs> you know, with, with something happened back then. We're still living in a barbaric era mm-hmm. in criminal justice. And so I'm going to try to do my usual thing, which is, yes, there's real-life history, but it's also a ghost story. And there are supernatural manifestations that make it more allegory, you know, so it's not true crime or nonfiction. Uh, but hopefully in, in getting to know these characters, this 12-year-old boy who's sentenced here and his 17-year-old sister who in 1950 Florida is going to use everything she has at her disposal to try to get him out of there. Um, when you know them as people, it humanizes it, even though they're fictitious. So I'm hoping that once people put the reformatory down, you'll be, like, inspired to say, what can I do? You know? There's a book called Burning Down the House, The End of Juvenile Prison. And I think there's a good argument that we need to rethink our whole approach to juvenile justice. That, uh, you know, under the... The kinds of things kids get sent to juvenile hall for are ridiculous. And the way they're treated is ridiculous. So that's not working. And uh, that's my next project. And hopefully I'll have that done this year. And if I get it done this year and sell it this year, maybe it would come out next year, but I really don't know. Well, we'll, be, we'll definitely have our eyes open for that. Um, you, you spoke a little bit about collaborations before we uh, let you get out of here. Um, we know that you collaborated with your, with your husband, Stephen, um, kind of co- co-writing and co-producing Danger Word, the, uh, yes. the film that you did with Frankie Faison. Yeah, uh, 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 hot in Kennedy's mind because uh, he's one of the stars on Banshee, um, and um, then you also collaborated with your with your mother on on the uh, the book about her her time in the civil rights uh, freedom in the family, um, which leads me to my question: If you were to collaborate on something with your son Jason, Aww. What would what would that look like? I would love to collaborate with my son Jason. He's a very colorful storyteller, mm-hmm. but he's not super fond of reading and writing right now. He has ADHD, and so he's sort of struggling to find his way there. Mm-hmm. And you know, as writers, there's nothing we would love more than that. Um, so if if I could do some kind of a middle grade picture book with him, that was his inspiration, right? Um, that would represent so many breakthroughs, you know, his willingness to do it, his willingness to put up with me long enough to do it, you know, I mean, so many things, but it would be that, although it's funny you mentioned My Little Angel, because I was just looking at my, uh, my book trailer I did last year for Go Summer, mm-hmm. and it's on YouTube, so if you do Go Summer at my name, um, the trailer comes up. And I, that I did with Jason. And my memory of doing it was me harassing him <laughs> and, like, him not wanting to say the lies anymore <laughs> and me promising him treats if he would just sit still for five minutes longer. You know, that's my memory of shooting right, it. Right, <laughs> But when I look at it, <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, he did so great. I know. I know. You forget all about all of that, you know. Yes. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, – the to talk with us this evening and share. I do want to share a question we did get from one of our listeners on sure. uh, Twitter. Um, a Goggins asked, April Goggins asked um, in question form, Living Blood, the movie? 
this is, yeah, the My Soul to Keep series that has literally been under option uh, almost since the day it was published. It had a couple of gaps, but mm-hmm. Samuel Goldwyn optioned it for out of the gate. Um, that was when I heard the question, does the main character have to be black? You know? Ooh. Well, they had kind of worked out that since slavery was involved, it would be hard for him not to be black. But this is a question we heard not just out of time, but believe me, <laughs> that oh, question yeah. always comes up. Always comes up. Oh, it's about so so, and then Blair Underwood, um, who was just a warrior with it, went to Lalibela, Ethiopia, shot footage there. I was about to say he shot some footage on his own for that. Too, yeah, right? he shot footage on his own. Hooked up with a sister named Nia Hill. They got it set up at Fox Searchlight and D'Angelo Steed, who's now at TV One. And it just it just didn't go, you mm-hmm. know. And that it, I think for all of us is just such a a huge disappointment. Right. Um, but you know, I will say it's under option again. And as a matter of fact, uh, yeah, we're we're looking again at you know how best to adapt it. Okay. Uh, for film. All right. So I also think it would be great on TV. I can see that. And since it's a series, right. as, a, as novels, I think. It, but you know, um, you just after a certain amount of time learn that you just have to sort of keep doing the work, and you don't know the outcome. Right. And even if, and, and rarely is the outcome what you want it to be in Hollywood. So a lot of your focus has to be on what you unexpectedly gained. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had a, a development process with State Street for a dramedy Steve and I wrote. It was our first dramedy. And as I was looking at that script again today, I remembered everything I learned from that executive as a screenwriter. You know, so if nothing else, it's a lesson. And I've been really blessed. People think, based on what's on the screens, that people in Hollywood are stupid. <laughs> I mean, I understand that assumption, but they are still not. Right, right. A lot of these executives are super, super smart. They, they can not only process the business and the politics, but the story part. And when you And I've come across a lot of executives like that, and I've come across a lot of producers, Effie, uh, being top among them, Glendon, uh, who have just taught me so much. And and that, to me, is has to become the point. What am I going to learn from this process? And then the day something catches, you know, it's like, whoa, right. that'll be a shock. Well, I wasn't expecting that to happen. And that's kind of the attitude you have to have or you go crazy. Amen. Um, it, it's come the time now, um, Tanana Reeve, if, uh, if you ha- – didn't know it by now. Now you know. The time has come for you to become one with the Tribble Nation. Oh, uh, wow. So uh, to, to do that, though, you first have to come up on your own. And you're a writer, so I'm sure you can, you know, you should be great at this. Come up with your own Tribble designation that indicates where your geek lies. Uh, I'm Bat Tribble because I'm a Batman head. Kennedy is Storm Tribble for the the superstar of the X Men Storm, and in case you didn't catch it, Charlie Brownskin over here is Lilith Tribble. Awesome for the uh, character from Octavius Butler's uh, series. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I know. Awesome. I know. We, all, we, all melt, we all melted when she took that. The there is much to mull over here. Yes. <laughs> So with all that in mind, and, and let you, then let me just tell you, people get creative with it. We mm. ha- we have the uh, screenwriter Brandon Easton. He is a little. He is a triple called Quest. 
Um, <laughs> the actor <laughs> Phil Lamar, he is uh, Samurai Tribble. Yeah. The actor um, Carl, um, oh, Carl Lumley, he's Jones Tribble for uh, uh, Tony Todd is... Shaka Zulu Tribble. I thought he would be Candyman Tribble, but he said no. I'm, I'm, you would think. Yeah, but, <laughs> but he but he he wanted to be Shaka Zulu Tribble. He grabbed that before anybody else did. We have someone who calls themselves a little Tribble on my chin. We have uh, no Tribble at all. <laughs> tribble play. So people get very creative with it. So with all that in mind, um, big Tribble in Little China. Yeah, big Tribble in Little China. That's a really good one. That's you a- know what though? Okay, I got some great ideas from listening to all that array. Okay. I was going to go with something more obvious mm-hmm. and a little too self-referencing, and it would have been Fauna Tribble. Oh, thank you. Honey. I love that. I love that character. Okay. Um, but now that you've broken it down, thus, I'm thinking it will be Taitu Tribble. I have to explain who she is. Okay. Empress Taitu of Ethiopia was the the empress and the wife of Menelik II. And they were the rulers who sent the Italians home packing nice. when they tried to invade Ethiopia in the 1890s. It's a little told story. Wow, yeah. Taitu. Taitu. And many say she was a, a, you know, a strategist. She was, you know, she was not just the empress cause in name. She was a warrior empress. Yes. Uh, we're, we're, we're checking her out. This is, it's, it's, She's beautiful. It's T-A-I-T-U or T-A-Y-T-U? Yes. T-A-Y-T-U. Wow, that is, that is cool. And they served as inspiration for me when I was writing My Soul to Keep because I was doing the research about Ethiopia. Going, How come nobody knows about this? This is an amazing, I mean, strategic battle, the Battle of Adwa, A-W-A-D-W-A, mm-hmm. where they were able to turn away a European power and nobody's talking about this. <laughs> so right. I'm Taitu Tribble. Nice. Y- yes, you are. Love it. Yes, you are. Taitu Tribble. It's not official yet. It's not official yet, however. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not official. No, it's not official until uh, you first must take the Tribble Oath of Allegiance. Okay. So with all that in mind, I will turn all matters over to the Storm Tribble, a.k.a. Kennedy. Yes. So that she may administer the oath. Yes. Yes. First, you must anoint yourself in the sacred oils, light, light the blessed candles, and burn the sage for three days until the moon wanes over the... No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> basically, you're going to repeat after me, okay? Okay, I will repeat after you. <clears throat> I'm a triple furry. I'm a triple true. I'm a triple furried. I'm a triple true. From the way I roll to the way I coo. Aww. From the way I roll to the ra- way I coo. <laughs> so shall it be Yay! said. So shall it be done. To not a reef do. That's awesome. It's I love tribbles. Who doesn't love tribbles? You know, David Gerald gave us a tribble. He gave my son an actual tribble. <gasps> David Gerald, who wrote yes, the episode, the creator the of tribbles. tribbles. Yes, yes. <sighs> He's a dear friend of Steve. So I'm just blessed in so many ways. Like. I- I mean, well, hey, it, by it, proxy, he's a dear friend of ours. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly, you know. So anytime our dear friend want to, you know, come on over, break bread. I mean, let him know. Holla at a triple. Yeah, holla at a triple. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much, you guys. This has been great. Thank you. This has been, so, this has been awesome. It's been our pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much uh, for the inspiration that you are to everyone out there and everyone listening. You do not know our uh, our, our our Facebook Live and Twitter is just blowing up with people just uh, loving listening to you. Thank you so much for that. Well, uh, thank you. Moment. I had a great time. All right. Yeah. Have, hope to have good news for you soon. Oh, oh, excellent. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Excellent tattoo. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Wow. I still have difficulty conceptualizing Octavia Butler like as a person that laughs. Like in my brain, did you ever see uh, Princess Mononoke? Yeah, yeah. That anime where the the forest spirit every time he walked by, like things would blossom and bloom into existence and then fade away. Like, yeah, yeah. That's I feel like that's whenever uh, whenever she walked by, there'd be like a forest of knowledge and plant life that would spring up in her footprints and then would just slowly fade as as she carried her energy onward. <laughs> like uh, for me, that's that's she's in deity status like already. Yeah, I think I just imagined myself washing her feet and making her food. Bathing in some type of oil oh, or anointing her... a candle or something? Uh, I don't... Uh, maybe, maybe just her feet. Maybe just feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you that for? No, I, I would, like, right, if she right, told right. me to, right? Right. But, like, I, I couldn't imagine her asking for that. No. Because probably she doesn't have to bathe. Because mm. she just exudes... She <laughs> sheds a skin and that's... It's done. Right. Yeah. Like she steps away and it's like cocoon, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like that. It's like a chrysalis. Well, 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 I just well, make her salads or whatever she wants or <laughs> find her something. Milk and honey. Forest. Whatever. Whatever right. she wants. Well, I think, right. I think like, you know, the dust comes down and says, oh, excuse me. You didn't, you didn't just like right, the rain just kind of, oh, excuse me, Miss Butler. Right. <laughs> Big pardon. Big pardon. Would you mind if we shine the sun on you? Thank you. <laughs> would, would you be ever so kind as to allow us the dignity of shining in your general direction? I would like to put her on a seven-day candle. Like, Ooh. in her, like her sainthood. <laughs> yeah. Just slap a sticker of Why is there on not a seven-day an Octavia candle? Butler seven-day candle? Because people are busy making Tupac seven-day candles. Not no hate on Tupac. But <laughs> I bet Tupac's mama read Octavia Butler. She might have even known Octavia Butler. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. Uh, you, um, Charlie, you, you got here a little late, so we didn't yeah, get a chance to get into it. That. That's, that's fine. It's fine. But I wanted to talk about um, why Octavia Butler does mean so much to you and how you are now paying that forward through everything that you do at Treehouse Books. Sure. Um, I mean, when I, you know, as I said uh, earlier, like the horror genre was my thing growing Mm. up. But, you know, just a voracious reader, I then in my college years entered into like Toni Morrison and Alice Walker. Yeah. B.B. Campbell Moore, like I, I think I might have read a few of her books. I didn't read her whole, her whole, um, back. yeah. Um, but all of the black female writers, it was giving me so much strength, you know, um, to read their work. And when I came across Octavia Butler, it wasn't the same narrative. It was a different narrative. Yeah, yeah. And so. I needed that because I had reached a point where I was like, I'm tired of the fight. 
I'm ready to strategize and I'm ready to think more future forward and mm-hmm. I'm ready to use all of my um, all of my senses as I as I said you know right. I think that she speaks to um, you know she speaks to things that I wasn't getting from what I was reading before um, I think there might have been um, Polly Marshall uh, praise song for the widow that that book like skirted on time travel it's mm-hmm. it, it gave you like the opportunity to dream Toni Morrison definitely had a little bit more of the metaphysical like spirit space in her writing yeah in her writing than some of the others you mentioned yeah um and and not as like a part of the story in terms of like just saying mm-hmm. but the experience you know you have mm-hmm. to like go on a trip through that through the ether with the characters right right um, and Octavia just puts you right in the plasma. She's like, actually, what? you're in a plant trying to grow an <laughs> right. arm right now. Right. And I dug that because that's how I was seeing myself. It also came at a time when I was entering into motherhood. And um, I I lost my first child, got pregnant with my second, and had a home birth, uh, delivered him at home with a midwife. My second child, I then delivered myself, and then this little one that I'm carrying delivered her, uh, you know, myself as well, just with close, very close family, you know? Um, and shoot, first of all, Octavia. <laughs> I, look, I'm going to need all the drugs if I'm putting a baby out. We just need to. I, and that's fine too. I commend you on that because I'd be like, listen here. Whatever you can possibly give me to not hurt what I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. I'm gonna need you to put all that shit on deck. Just put it on deck, get it ready, just in case. And <laughs> and so that's the thing is like you can have that too. Right. And I think that Octavia speaks to all of that in her writing. Like she really does without judgment, mm-hmm. like yeah. let the fuck you be like she yeah. just like lets you rock like lets every character be themselves yeah and it's not about a judgment but there are consequences mm-hmm. you know and and i love that and i love that the narrative follows that i love how intelligent her characters are yeah how they're able to speak to that how there's intersectionality with everything um that comes up in her books and because she's not afraid to uh talk about all of eternity you know, mm-hmm. you get a very broad scope of like why things are the way they are because right. all of history is referenced in yeah. some way in a lot of her writing. You know, um, as I said uh, in the interview earlier this week, um, the Xeno Xenogenesis series is my favorite. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, that, that book is I, it's it's in shambles now. Like the spine, like its spine has been cracked. I have to tape it on to the actual. Yeah. The, the cover you I mean. have the the three in one yeah i've got lily i, Lilith I have brood. it Lilith brood, yeah. right so i have it republished that way so i i have the originals of each book Oof. but guess what in my travels last year i lost the first book and it hurt me so bad that i no. i cried that's the i cried i've never shed a tear about a book before and that like it gave me a st- i had a stomach ache for two or three days looking wow. for it because <sighs> they're hard to find in there in that the original artwork was so popping. She had the best artwork. I mean, just the, the books were like sort of metallic-y covered. So I have all the feels for uh, for her work mm-hmm. um, because of 
the actual. Oh my God! Is Saint Octavia of Seven Day Candle exists? Oh! Shout out to the Blurred Girl for hitting us up with this oh! on Twitter. Look, it's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah, oh. look at that. Oh. <laughs> Speaking into oh. the universe, it will come into existence. Oh, I am at fourteen thirty West Susquehanna <laughs> Avenue, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania one nine one two one. If anyone would love to get. This candle for Lilith Tribble. Yeah, it's available on Etsy. The Sainted Riders. Wow. This is amazing. That is so dope. That is so dope. You can see it on our Twitter. Holy smokes. And I'll put a link to it on our our Facebook page. Yeah, because my birthday's coming up. (laughs) My birthday's coming up. Mine, too. When's your birthday? June 2nd. June 7th. (gasps) 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 See? Gemini. Yeah, it makes sense. So I always liked. Sorry, Len. We care when your birthday is too. When's your birthday? <laughs> uh, my birthday's just Sunday. That's fine. Oh, oh yay. That's fine. yay! That's fine. Yay. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, um, what I what I loved about the 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 gamut of her main characters is how these incredibly strong, intelligent, capable, forward-thinking women were placed in. Mm-hmm. in unsolvable situations. Right. You know, it was just an inevitability to them having to deal with the fact that there is nothing they can do in spite of all their training, all their schooling, all their preparation. Like, yeah, you're stuck in a symbiotic relationship with these people that are not going anywhere. You right. can't have kids without them. They can't have kids without you. So you're going to need to deal with that. Right. Um, or, you know, hey, you may be immortal and a shapeshifter and can do all this great stuff, but you get this fuckboy dude that will not leave you alone ever. That's your boo-boo stank stank for life. You right. can turn into a dolphin if you want, but uh, this dude is going to be here waiting for Like, that, in, in some cases, like in, in the case of Lilith's Brood or Xenogenesis, I can deal with that because it, it's. I think she takes a really creative way of, of just explaining how that character goes through those processes. Right. But in terms of the Wild Seed series, mm-hmm. I only read the first one because I'm like, I can't. I can't deal with Doro. I can't. I cannot. So the thing, so uh, the reason why I, so I, I read Xenogenesis after doing the Wild Seed, you know, oh, okay. Doro, Anyanwu saga. And it was stressful for me. And I was like, Doro, I hate you, yeah. and I probably would give you some babies. <laughs> and no, no, that dude can uh, kick all the rocks. He can kick all the rocks. But see, this is the thing. I think that what happens, and it's so, we go through it with Anyanwu, because when she starts to feel like a victim and she can't no more, mm-hmm. she's reminded because she goes to a place where she gets clear-headed, right. and she's reminded that he needs her. What's he going to do? What are you going to do without me, the only other person who's been around as long as you? See, I, I just... I, and, oh. But so that for me, that oh. for me also is so crazy. It, it just all ties into my personal life. <laughs> because like, <laughs> you know, when you have children and I have three, there are baby daddies. And, you know, just thinking about those relationships where you do, you are connected to this person for ever you carry them Mm. inside of your body Mm. it's real weird and like you need each other and it is symbiotic i mean just down to friendships like we absolutely in order to be who we are we needed the people 
that have been in our environments. And I think that what you said about um, these like remarkable circumstances and seemingly insurmountable um, situations that at any given time in the day, somebody can think that a conversation with someone is insurmountable and I can't and will like ignore a phone call five times in a row or like not talk to the friend that they owe money or like not tell their boss that they're unhappy with their man, the way that they're managing them at their job. So I, I love that what her work also does is it like conflates all of our, all of our everyday issues. Mm -hmm. And like, if we take a cue from it, is that as with anything, like you can be a victor, you gotta choose it though. And that's the thing in her books is like so clear is that people are choosing what they're doing. Doro chooses, Doro is calculated. He doesn't accidentally kill someone. Yeah. Well, the only time he, she's the only risk, right? Of like the accidental kill that he doesn't really mean to do. And she's um, like a valuable person to mm -hmm. him that mm -hmm. he doesn't want to accidentally kill. Right. So he even has to be careful with her because of her. Ooh, like you don't even know how much I can't. Oh, I, know. Ooh, I just, because at least, at least with 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 fledgling, right? Um, I forget her the character's name, but the little girl forgets a good chunk of her life, right? Mm -hmm. Which you know, inevitably, she's not. She might not get back. She might not ever recall, you know, that whole span of her life that involved all these different people along the way. But she can overcome not only that, but also the racism that her her people, you know, face her with and she can move on at least in in xenogenesis lilith has the ability to live on through her children however little of her is still left she can still even if she's genetically not represented in these kids as much she can still pass on teachings and and knowledge and whatever but with anyanwu and doro like i i maybe because i i'm gotten really good over the course of my life of just severing toxic relationships mm -hmm. I, I can't <laughs> you're like girl cut him you better cut I, i'm just like how you don't like you don't know nobody that can just handle him real quick you don't know anybody <laughs> nobody you don't have a lion on deck somewhere that you owe a, he owes a favor like it and that i guess speaks to how well written of a book that was that those characters were so beautifully fleshed out that i can't even put myself through the trauma of reading right. her next, because I can barely get through. Because you hate him so much. I just like go sit down somewhere. Right. There's an entire planet full of people. I almost, I really want to like challenge you to try, only because I would love for you to hit a point where you can actually, um, like maybe empathize with Dora. I started to. Right. And, and then you he did some extra fuck with shit. And I was like, yo, you suck. You suck. And you you suck. It. You suck. Like, right, right. You suck. There's right. no other way to explain that. Like, if any, like, Joe Schmo off the street were to read the story, it'd be like, yo, this dude sucks. Like, right. the this, this suckiest of suckiest dude could read Wild Seed and be like, yo, this Doro boy, like, he sucks, man. Right. Like, okay. Like, I. Oh, I've had. Anyway. That's, yes. Like, I. I my... <laughs> Kind of a little too close. My yeah, blood pressure's up now, just thinking about it. I, like, I, mine is up just listening to you because I'm like. 
dang, I want you to read this other one. And I want to watch time, you. Every time in this Corsha's book, I'm like, oh, he's going to do right. He's going to give her all the flowers. It's going to be great. They're going to have all the makeups. No, he's just, that's just what he does. Damn. Like, but yo, she still gives up the yams. That's like, what yeah, she's yeah, all Because then that turns into the story of your best girlfriend that you're so glad that she's out of this relationship because the dude wasn't shit for her. And then right. you turn around six months later, oh, well. She's pregnant with his neck. Like, what? Hold on. Did you, were you not paying attention for the past three years of your life? But you know what? Because I've been that chick. Uh, what happens when you do that is you bring your enemy in real close and you get to know so much about them. And that's exactly what Anyanwu does with Doro. She's learning him every step of the way and she gets better and better at managing that relationship. Girl, read some more. I'd be like, here, here's this creek. Go play in it. Here's this traffic. Read, read some more. I'll read it with you. I'll read it again. I'll read it with you. I, I, first of all, I can't reread Wild Sea because I lent it to somebody. And of course, like all Octavia Butler books, once you lend oh, it, hold you'll on. never get it back. Because at 1430 West Susquehanna Avenue <laughs> at Treehouse Books, I have copies of Wild Seed. Do you? I also have copies of Lilith's Brew. I used to live around the corner from from treehouse i was right then you know the way then you know the way visit me there you do you won't get them back well no i'll just yell at the book you suck you suck you are the suckiest of sucks pay what you wish bookstore so you walk out with whatever you want with for whatever you want to pay you just tell me that about oh and we have a poppin african-american lit section yeah we have anthologies we have we have copies of Kalalu. We have we have everything. Nice. Like everyone, come down. Come the Treehouse Books, which is located at fourteen thirty West Susquehanna Avenue, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania one nine one two one. We are right near Temple. You can stop by on your lunch. Tell We're Charlie off the Broad Street Center. line. We're open Tuesdays through Thursdays from twelve till six. And um, if you hit us up on our website, you can. Um, email me from the website. It's treehousebooks.org. Mm-hmm. If you email me and make an appointment, if you want to come talk, if you are a writer or a filmmaker or a visual artist, you can come by and talk about your projects. We love doing um, VIP visits with our young people in camp. Our summer camp is uh, is going to be coming up soon. And actually next week, we are wrapping our spring cycle of book camps, and the theme has been growth and potential, and it's actually anchored around uh, Octavia Butler. Yay. So our young people have been interacting with some quotes from her writing, and um, we're having a garden party on Thursday. So everyone is welcome to come by from 6.30 to 8.30. We'll have later hours that evening. We'll have snacks, and mm. the bookstore will be open for you to be able to check out some books or you know, walk away with books. Growth and development. Mm-hmm. How not to become the suckiest of the suck like Doro. How to learn from your suck suckiness <laughs> and move on right. to suck less. How to identify the suckiest of sucks before getting emotionally and mentally involved. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a valuable... <laughs> that too. That's a valuable handbook title that needs to be written. Someone should get on that. Absolutely. All right, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Kennedy, good to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a fun month here on Octavia City, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) 
This is what you got to look forward to. Men introducing the show and then just letting it go, um, which is cool with me. Uh, next week, we will be blessed once again with Charlie Brownskin and the Storm Tribble as we will talk to uh, Dr. Food Tribble herself, artist extraordinaire Afua Richardson, will be our guest for Octavia City during Black Tribble's Prime. Uh, that'll be fun. Uh, check out everything Tanana Reeve do at TananaReeveDo.com. You can uh, Reeve do that. Do that. <laughs> Tattoo Tribble. Tattoo Tribble. Tattoo. Tattoo Tribble. That's, that's a beautiful name. Oh, I got to read that story. Somebody need, uh, That needs to be a movie. I mean, come on. That's an incredible story. Um, we should look for that in her work. Look for? Look for Tattoo's. Look for Taitu's um, influence. Influence in her, in her in her work. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. she said she was she found her researching. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure that'll be she's cool. There. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to get out of here. The show will be available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio. where we ask you to give us a ranking, leave us a comment. You can email us at blacktribbles at gmail dot com. Like us on Facebook now. The Black Tribbles fan page is back up there, Yay! so you can always join us on Tribble Nation. Tribble Nation is still rolling strong, but like us on Facebook as well. Um, shout out to the Super Saiyan Tribble for hand, holding it down for Facebook Live tonight. Hey. That was a good experiment. We got to keep keep that going, bro. That was Trippy. All right. Super Saiyan, though. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> for Storm Tribble, for Super Saiyan Tribble, for Lilith Tribble, for the new Taitu Tribble, this is the Bat Tribble imparting, we say. Healing frequencies closed, Captain. Yo, I want this candle, though. I want it to. <laughs>